0: Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, do you, you could put your own name there, do you have a purpose in God's massive plan of salvation? At election time, we, we often say every vote counts. Can we say the same thing when we look at God's mighty works in the history of the universe as he brings salvation to the world through his Son? Does your life matter? What's the place of your life in, in this plan? Genesis 38 and 39, placed together as they are, reveal to us that although God does not depend on men to fulfill his plan of salvation he does use their faithful obedience to carry out his work in the kingdom on the one hand we are thankful that our salvation does not depend on our good works looking at all those who came before Judah We see that their families could not be a blessing to the families around them like God promised in Genesis 12 unless the Lord himself had intervened. You can go through the patriarchs with me in your mind. You can think of Abraham. He went to Egypt. He left the promised land. Then he lied about his wife Sarah, almost lost her, the the, the one who was to bear the next uh, person in the line of the promise. And then later, he had a son with his slave woman before finally God gave Isaac to Sarah. Well, this same Isaac, a special child, acted directly against God's instruction when he tried to give the the wrong twin, the firstborn blessing, when he tried to give it to Esau instead of Jacob. But Jacob was nothing special. When we read about Jacob, we see how weak Jacob was and how he even needed the angel of the Lord to come down, to to wrestle with him, to put him back on the right path. Genesis 38, 39 show us that the sovereign God was very gracious to Judah when God decided to bring the royal Savior through him rather than through Joseph. And although we did not read the chapter, the whole chapter, together for the children's sake too, the strange story of Genesis 38 shows that the hashtag MeToo campaign would expose Judah's selfish lusts in, in a hurry and rightfully destroy Judah's credibility in the public sphere. Judah's history reveals to us that the church can only be saved when God graciously calls us out of the world and out of our own sinfulness so that we can be set apart for him. On the other hand, just because God does not depend on the obedience of his servants to save them, this does not mean that we have no responsibility, that we have no responsibility purpose in God's plan. The description of Joseph's life in Genesis 39 differs from the other patriarchs because his life is so praiseworthy, it's so difficult to find anything wrong with what what Joseph did so that the Lord is able to use his obedience to carry out his plan. The, The contrast is striking. The low of the low in 38, and then Joseph in 39. Genesis 38 to 39 show us that when we talk about God's grace, we also need to talk about our personal godliness. Our holiness matters. The church that God saves by his grace is only a blessing to those around them when they are faithfully loving God, loving their neighbor as themselves. The gospel message for us today is that since God graciously intervened in Judah's life and then blessed Joseph for his faithful response, the world today, we may know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. This Jesus Christ reveals that God saves us by grace so that we may be transformed by the Holy Spirit and lead a new life. We may bless everybody around us through our obedience to God's word. I preach to you the gospel of salvation under this theme that God sets Jacob's sons apart so that the world may know Jesus Christ. First part, we see the grace of God, especially as it's shown to Judah. The second, the response of man, as we see Joseph responds to God in faith. And then, thirdly, the salvation revealed in Jesus Christ. To sum up Genesis thirty-eight, we can say that Judah got distracted from the goal, from the prize that he that. God had set out before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Judah didn't believe the promise of salvation and he showed his disregard for the future of the church and the promised Messiah when he refused to give his youngest son, Shelah, to be Tamar's husband, referred to in verse 26 of chapter 38. Although Judah is the perfect hypocrite, when he condemns Tamar for the sin that he had committed, the same immorality he had just committed, as we see in verse 24. We also recognize that he was quick to repent and confess his sins when his shameful secrets were revealed. It's amazing to see how God graciously used Tamar's description, perhaps she, or her deception. Perhaps she was imitating her mother-in-law, Leah. The shame of Judah's incest, which was possibly a Canaanite custom. But how God used these things to finally wake Judah up to the fact that his selfishness with his son, Shelah, had put the church in danger. And looking back on the gracious intervention of God, Judah would never look back and see his name there in Genesis and and feel all proud and and think, look what I did to bring the, the Savior into the world. It was only because of God's amazing grace that God continued to show his love to the world and he gave twins to Tamar. So that the family line of the promised Messiah could continue through her. As we see the, the grace of God shining through the passage, we read about the birth of these twins. It's quite a quite an interesting thing to read together. It's very striking. The boy named Zara with the scarlet string around his wrist would not be the firstborn. The midwives call the firstborn Perez, which means a breach or a breaking forth, because it was as if he, he pushed his way past his brother as they were being born. It reminds us of an army that's breaching a siege by breaking out through the surrounding wall of enemies. And so Perez's name serves as a clear description of of his purpose in God's plan. Although Satan had sieged Judah's family with temptations and distractions so that their selfishness and lust caused their house and their home to crumble inward upon itself, Perez was born and he he broke through the siege to carry on the line of the promise. He carried along by the grace of God And when we turn to the book of Ruth, we see that the next time a descendant of Judah and Perez met a childless widow who needed to marry somebody to continue her husband's name, the next time that happened, the descendant was faithful. His name was Boaz. Boaz married Ruth. And Ruth 4, verses 18 to 22 tells us joyfully that now a descendant of Perez had us a child, a descendant named Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David, from whom the great son of David, Jesus Christ, was born. You see the importance of that moment in our text. When it looked like Satan had triumphed in preventing the birth of the promised Messiah because of the selfish lusts of men. And Satan saw that the Messiah promised who was to crush him, and he tried to destroy the line. God showed his mercy to the church. He raised up a child out of the smoking ruins of Judah's family. You see, brothers and sisters, when we read Genesis, we see Jesus in Perez, and in Judah, and in Tamar. And we realize that our salvation depends completely on God's amazing grace to undeserving sinners. The gospel message for Jacob's sons and and all God's people is that there is always a way back after sin. And that way back is found in Jesus Christ, the great descendant of Perez. When you look to Matthew chapter 1, it's a genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 draws attention to this unique and gracious work of God. The New Testament wants us to proclaim this grace by drawing our attention to the fact that in Jesus' line you can find people the name of Tamar. and this is very rare that a mother is mentioned in the genealogy. You can also find people with the name of Zara and Perez. The mention of all these names reminds us about how much our Lord Jesus Christ needed to humble himself when he came to earth born of a human. How much he loves us, how he he left the glory of heaven to, to come down to this. The family and nation to which Jesus was born was not more godly than other families in the earth. A lot of the Jews and the Pharisees at the time, they were very proud of their lineage. The fact that they were from Abraham's descendants... We see as we read this passage that also the Jewish nation, also the Pharisees, like the rest of men and women all over the world, they need to put their trust in Jesus' triumph on the cross. And when we turn to our Lord Jesus Christ, When we embrace the gospel in humility, recognizing that we need salvation outside of ourselves, oh, what joy and what grace we can see. For the message of the gospel is that his blood shed on the cross was sufficient to blot out even the most disgraceful sins of his own family. You can be fully assured That he can make you clean when you turn to him. Like Judah and all the patriarchs also learned, your salvation does not depend on your righteousness, on on living a perfect life, doing everything just right. But it depends on God's grace to those who humble themselves before him and embrace Jesus Christ as a Savior, depends on His decision to send His Son to lead you to life. You're saved because God has set you apart as Jesus prays in John 17 and sanctified you in Christ so that you can lead a holy life before Him. You see that God sets Joseph apart and then he responds to God in faith. Because parallel to God's gracious intervention to rescue his church from its own sinful and selfish choices, we can read in Genesis 39 of the godly Joseph. The godly Joseph who embraced the promise of life in God alone. Who shows himself to be extremely pious and trusting even in the most difficult circumstances and temptations. Unlike his brother Judah, Joseph did not go out looking for the pleasures in the world, but he was thrown into them against his will. When the temptations and the distractions came to his door, begging that he might indulge the sinful desires of his nature, the desires of his sinful nature, Joseph had to decide. Joseph had to, to face these things. He had to make a decision whether or not he would worship God in faithfulness or not. Would he obey the creation mandate by doing his work and having relationships with women to the glory of God? Or would he give in to temptation? Would he blend in with the pagan world and be an unfaithful employee who committed adultery with his boss's wife? His situation that what he faced at that time, it reminds us of the Lord's warning to Cain in Genesis 4, verse 7, that it does not do well. And if he does not do well, the Lord says, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. The situation reminds us of what Peter talks about in 1 Peter 5. Your enemy, the devil, is, is prowling around like a lion looking for somebody to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. The Lord does not depend on our obedience to save his church, but he uses our firm resistance and our obedience to serve his church. We will have to make choices in this life, saved by grace, placed in the kingdom of light. We will have to make decisions in our lives. And they all come down to two options. Will we serve our faithful Lord and Savior in his kingdom? Or will we be selfish and deny the Lord and look for the easiest way? Will we keep our perspective on the eternal glory promised to those who, who love the Lord, or will we be foolish and only think about the moment's pleasures? And we see and reminded it again, it's not always easy to be saved by grace and set apart to represent God in a world that does not know Him. And yet when God rescues and when He delivers, He also continues to lead us by His Spirit so that we can respond to Him in thankfulness. We especially focus on the first six verses of 39 and then the the end verses of the same chapter because they emphasize repeatedly that God is blessing Joseph. Joseph did not have to fight alone. Joseph received the spirit of the Lord so that he was able to to breach the devil's stronghold in Egypt. He was able to, to reflect the Lord's name in the place where God had placed him. The Lord was with Joseph by giving him many opportunities to serve. And Joseph responded. He showed his love to the Lord by being obedient you can see it in many ways God had blessed Joseph with being single he blessed him with being single so that he could focus all of his attention on the kingdom of God in a very dangerous and a very hostile place Paul speaks about the the blessing being single in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 28 to 35 Joseph could work in a faraway land, in that dangerous, hostile place, because he didn't have to worry about any family members who might be depending on him. We see also that God had blessed Joseph with a desire to glorify God in his work, to pursue excellence, so that when he was placed in Potiphar's house, and then later in the prison, he was quickly promoted because of his trustworthiness. Joseph served the Lord and not men in the first place. And this may explain why he did not assume responsibility for the food that Potiphar was eating. That's in verse 6, which was probably connected to idol worship. As a result of his faithful obedience to God's command, the Lord blessed the work of his hands. Another way that the Lord blessed Joseph was by revealing to Joseph that marriage is the exclusive union between one man and one woman. You read about that in Genesis 2, verse 24. And Joseph could know that the harm that came to those who break this union and how disrespectful it is to be with another man's wife. God had given Joseph such a fullness of, and such a contentedness in the a contentment in the, in the fellowship he had with God, that he, he says to, to Potiphar's wife, he, "He couldn't even imagine, "How could I do such a thing? How could I sin against God?" It was because the Lord had blessed him with an understanding of God's good and perfect will that fills our lives with joy. Joseph's righteousness reminds us that God delivers us and he sets us apart in order that we might respond in trust and obedience. In the same way that the Holy Spirit concludes the book of Romans. Romans is a book that talks first about human sin and then talks about salvation in Christ. And then it ends with a call to a thankful response so also the book of Genesis ends with Joseph's life, which serves as a model of an appropriate reaction to God's covenant blessings. Prepares the church for Exodus, the books that follow. As a trustworthy employee, a single man who valued purity... And as a faithful servant of others in the prison, in, in, in these difficult situations with him, Joseph revealed the blessing of living in peace with God. The God who changes our lives. And then Joseph, in this way, he pointed to the perfect righteousness of Christ Jesus In all this, God is revealing our salvation in Jesus Christ. The next time that we read about Judah, jumping back again a little bit, the next time we read about Judah, he is living separate from the Canaanites and is back together with his brothers so that God can use him to bring the promised Messiah to the world through the nation of Israel. We also notice that God saved Joseph from an overly amorous employer by sending him to his next assignment in the shelter of a prison cell because God was using Joseph to prepare Israel's future. That's what we sang about in Psalm 105. It's important to see that until the Lord returns... The Lord is maintaining and, comm- and he commends a separation between the church and the world. Separation from the world allows God's people to experience the fullness of Jesus' work and his new creation, to, to meditate on that, to, to be focused on Jesus Christ, the King, and to grow up into him who is the head. To do this through our catechism instruction, Bible studies, through our regular church attendance. We can see very clearly as we read the Lord doing this work, there is a a good place for covenant education in our homes and, and day schools. However, we must always remember that the goal of being set apart is so that we can be better equipped to proclaim the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ to others. Our separation serves the well-being of those around us. We can explain that to visitors, to people we know around us to say, "Why do you always do stuff with your church community? Why are you always so focused on your own school? Why do you why do you just Spend time with fellow believers. and You can answer, you can say, so that we can shine brighter in your life. Because we love you. Because we want to, you to see the peace that we have in our God. Joseph was blessed for keeping himself separate from the Egyptians. So that he could be a blessing to the Egyptian Potiphar's house since he did not just blend in with the people around him who didn't know the Lord, because of that, Potiphar's household could have a foretaste of all that the Egyptians who joined Israel would embrace for themselves when they, when they left their own country to go with Israel into the promised land to receive the law, to receive the blessing, the covenant relationship. Joseph's righteousness was a model for Israel's obedience to God's law, which kept that nation separate from the world around them and announced the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ who would save them. In Ephesians, when Paul announced that the Lord breached the wall of separation around the Jewish nation so that Jesus Christ's work has benefits for more than just the Jewish nation, nation, it was clear that the church would continue to grow. In his high priestly prayer, the Lord Jesus revealed that although his people are not of the world, there's a separation, although his people are sanctified and set apart in the truth of Jesus Christ, this is so that he can send you into the world. To work in the world. So that we might make a difference. What we read and you came into the building this this morning. You could see on the projected on the wall, John 17, 17 to 18. Being sanctified in the truth and being sent into the world. That's, That's the calling for God's church. Brothers and sisters, you have been saved by the grace of God, not to rest in idle isolation, but to respond in faith, to to breach the darkness with the truth of the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. With that announcement, there's always a way back after sin in Christ. So at the beginning of the sermon, we asked if We had a purpose in God's plan. And Genesis 38, 39 especially, helps us to see that the plan of God is carried out and fulfilled by individual servants who respond to the grace of his calling with faithful obedience to his will. So yes, you, have a place in that plan. In Matthew 13, 24-30, the Lord Jesus tells a parable about weeds and good seeds. And after explaining that the field is the world, the Lord Jesus explains that he places the sons of the kingdom in the world. Although all things are in God's sovereign control, he employs the church to bring his plans to their fulfillment. And so he calls you as individuals also, like he called Joseph, to use your gifts in obedience to his word. As we give thanks to God and praise him for for graciously setting us apart, for sanctifying us in Christ and in his word. We must also be aware that God blesses each one of us with special gifts, with special opportunities, so that he can use us in his kingdom. Yes, your holiness matters. Paul exhorts God's people to be useful instruments in God's hands. He shows us in how many ways our obedience and holiness can point others to Christ Jesus, our Savior. Now, Joseph was just doing the right thing in his situation. He didn't have big plans to change the world. He was a faithful servant of God who, who did what God had revealed to him. Who, who trusted in the Lord in the day to day. So look at your lives. Do you have the freedom, the gifts that come from being single? So that you, in a unique way, you can go to to the more dangerous, the more hostile, the more remote places in the the world with the gospel. You can devote that extra time, that extra energy that is required to, to share the gospel all over the world. Or do you have a family? That has needs that make it more appropriate for you to work on the strengthening of the church spiritually and financially, and the distinction from the world. Or perhaps you are an empty nester, you have some extra time and some resources to be used, perhaps in administration or organization or the frontline work of reformed study centers, church plants aid projects, or federation-building work. What can you do to strengthen this congregation so that it will remain faithful to God's Word so that we may be able to shine more brightly in the world? Your life matters. Your holiness matters. And the gospel message of our text today is that in His marvelous grace... And his mercy, the Lord has chosen you to be his children. Because you believe in Jesus Christ, you and your children are set apart in him and then enriched with illustrious, comforting, and wonderful blessings. You can understand the world which God has created. You can understand the reason for the the misery and the suffering that you will encounter wherever you go. You also know the Savior. God brought into the world through the family line of Judah and Tamar and Perez. You know the Holy Spirit who leads you in a new life of obedience and holiness. Think about who you are in God's kingdom and may the blessings of God in your life make you a blessing. To those around you. Amen.